So will you say, let me forget about KYC. Let me just register in less than two minutes. Yeah, then a week later you are screaming you are crying i've lost a millionaire i've lost 10 millionaire and you start running from pillar to post and nobody listens to you so why don't you take the pains to do 10 minutes on your own end register yourself properly and ensure that all your details are actually uploaded at the back end and the person know or the bank knows who they are dealing with So, uh, let me take you on a little journey. In 2013, 2013 was just two years after Nigeria launched what was like the most innovative financial technology of its time. And that was the NIBS instant pay service. So, that technology allows you to send money from me to you or allows you to send money to your friend and the person gets it instantly. So, when you are saying, oh, Allah don't enter or Allah never enter, that, what is making that impossible is the instant pay technology that Nigeria developed in 2011. But guess what? By 2013, fraud cases started rising like really, really massively. And between 2013 to 2022, fraud cases in Nigeria has risen by 1,510%. That is, okay, that is a very, very, very crazy increase. And... In this world where we're talking about technology, digital payments, and moving in towards a digital economy, fraud security is becoming an increasingly important aspect of our lives. So for you to be able to sell your market and collect transfer, you need to be certain that the money that's coming to your account is not going to put you in trouble. So yeah, that's that, that and many more considerations are what we'll try to unpack in this podcast. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Emmanuel Paul and I work with TechPoint Africa. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the complexities of cyber security in Nigeria, financial fraud and all the bells and whistles around it. So the complexities of regulations, technology and people like you and I, how we contribute to this whole phenomenon. And yeah, we'll be diving more into these statistics in the course of this conversation. So allow me to introduce our guests, Pamidele Obende, Lead Executive Cybersecurity Software at InfoPrive. And uh, yeah, you might never, ha- you might have never heard the name before. So let's actually try to find out what InfoPrive does and why they're relevant to this conversation we're trying to have. So yeah, Pamidele, thank you for coming to the podcast today. Okay, thank you, Manuel, and thank you for all the other members of the team. Thank you to TechPoint Africa for inviting me as well. Uh, so InfoPrive, I work with InfoPrive. InfoPrive is a cybersecurity firm in Nigeria. Um, we're actually one of the leading advisory firms in terms of uh, things that have to do with cybersecurity in Nigeria. We've been around for the last 11 years, and we, tr- we ensure that we provide cybersecurity compliance and cyber protection services for all our customers so in the financial space we're actually relevant and have come in high regard in that sector so we actually have most of our customers in that space so we provide services for them interesting so yeah that must really be an exciting job it's, it's not boring right like say the picture i have of cyber security professionals is hackers with hoodie on their head and typing away on the laptop 
and hacking into government organizations. But <laughs> well, yeah. So you watch a lot of movies, and then you get that picture as well. Yeah, yeah. So talking about it being exciting, yes, it's actually exciting, especially when you see people that are ready to actually learn, and you see people that are actually ready to contribute their own quota to ensuring that yes, things are done properly. So it is an exciting sector, and really, like I mentioned before in our previous discussion, it's a sector that is growing globally, not only in Nigeria, because. Every day you see a lot of products coming out there on the internet. Mm. See a lot of things out there, devices, software, so many things. As long as they're on the internet, they have to be protected because information is being passed from one device to the other. Hmm. So, so talking about protection, so what according to data we just got from Interpoint, uh, TechPoint's data and research arm said Nigerian banks lost $9.5 billion to fraud in 2022. Now, there's a lot of money moving around in this space, right? And fintechs have accelerated the explosion of payments. Uh, we have the OPs, the money points, all doing amazing stuff, right? So, what what exactly is happening in that space? Like, what does it look like? Okay, so um, there are several factors that come into play when you actually hear stories like this. And the factors that come into play actually concerns everybody in the ecosystem. When I mean everybody, it concerns me as a user, it concerns you as a user, it concerns the organization, it could be a bank, which could be a fintech, which could be anybody providing that particular type of financial service. Mm -hmm. So it's an ecosystem that everybody needs to play their role. It also involves the regulators, the regulators from the central bank, MIBs, or whoever the regulator is, ensuring that everybody plays their role properly. So everybody is a stakeholder. So it's not, it's not in all cases you say the bank Banks are the cost. Hmm. In other cases, you say CBN is the cost or the users. But if everybody plays their role in the ecosystem, you'll be able to minimize that um, occurrence of losing $9.5 billion, like you mentioned. So it's not just bringing out the data. If you go deep down, what could have happened or what could have caused it? So there are different stories, different instances. And when you drill down, you find out, yes. One from the user, one from the organization, could also be from the regulatory body as well. So you really need to know what exactly could have happened in that case and know where to lay the blame on. But in the long run, it's just for everybody in this ecosystem to be much more proactive, to be much more aware, and also to ensure there's a lot of education taking place for people to be much more careful whenever they are carrying out financial transactions. Hmm. That's quite interesting. So let's say we don't know the specific cases that yeah. occurred now but typically what are those kind of uh fraud cases that typically happen in nigeria financial situation okay so for example um i remember some years ago before the pin and chip came into place for the cards for the atm cards, for the yeah. ATM cards. so what used to happen you see people <laughs> they don't even bother they can give somebody their what's it called their pin um their pin on their cards and give them take go ahead go withdraw money for me from that ATM, you've given your PIN to somebody which only you are supposed to know. Yeah. So that person already has access to your own card details. So in case you leave your card hanging around, the person goes ahead and he goes to use your card to withdraw money. So by the time education came in place, people stopped giving out their um, PINs for people to go withdraw money from their ATMs. So to an appreciable level, that has reduced a lot so these days as well we all have mobile devices we have our banking apps our fintech apps and everything 
So when you have those devices on your, um, when you have those apps on your devices as well, you also need to ensure you protect yourself, not just leaving only username and password, for example, on those devices. Hmm. Even if you have just username and password, is it possible for you to also put an additional layer of security on the devices? Because again, the devices you carry, depending on the transactions that you do, you can actually carry out all your banking transactions or financial transactions on your phone without stepping into a bank. For you to do that, you need to ensure you secure the device. So if you have, for example, your username and your password, it's advisable to put another additional layer of security. So that's on the part of the users. The they user. need to ensure that they don't compromise themselves in carrying out transactions. Also, you want to do something online or not, you need to ensure as well that the website that you're going to is actually a secured website. How, how do we know that? Okay. So the th when you want to carry out financial transactions, one of the things you also need to watch out for is ensure that the website is a secured website. And you find out that's very easy to look at. You see where the URL is, the HTTPS tells you this website is secured. You also need to ensure that the website that you're going to is actually the website you want to carry out the transaction. We've seen banks that some of the their websites have been what duplicated yeah. and people end up going there and they are or they are scammed so you just need to take note of all this as well to ensure you're actually dealing with the right person you want to deal with emails as well mm. what times are they were phishing emails you just get a mail you click somebody is promising you a billion dollars promising a billion dollars but it's wiping out stuff from your account so these are some of the things we check from our side as normal users and all on the other end for the organizations that process these payments they also need to ensure that they put adequate security measures or adequate infrastructure in place to ensure that they themselves are not compromised. And one of the ways they can do this is to ensure they actually implement the frameworks from the regulatory bodies. Hmm. We the regulatory bodies come to do from time to time to check and all that to ensure that they're actually implementing them. But they must implement those regulatory frameworks. They must keep to the standards. Because again, most of these things this part of the world and other parts of the world as well has to do with reputation. If I as an organization I'm providing financial services and my reputation is damaged, my custo I won't have customers. Yeah. Customers won't come to deal with me. So they need to look at that from that perspective that look, people are dealing with me with a certain level of trust and also my reputation is at stake. So once they follow those frameworks more or less as guiding principles, you ensure that your business is secured and that you're doing things properly. Cool. So Permit me to be a little bit controversial. Okay. Would you say on average, what, what would you say on average is like the prime cause of these instances of fraud? Is it the users or the businesses? Okay, uh, what I would say again, is that if you look at the prime cause of um, this fraud case, I don't want to um, put some, um, what do I, what's the word? I don't want to put the blame on somebody specifically. But again, what in anything that you are doing, everything has to do with the users. So the users in terms of from the customer end and the users even on the end of the financial operators or the people providing the financial services. So for example, at the basic, when you say you're going to work for an organization or rather an organization is employing people into their, their team. So for example, where do you start with? Because people are the ones that make up that organization. You need to ensure that the people that are coming into your organization, for example, that the proper checks have been done, at least at an appreciable level. The ethical standards that you, that you need to expect for somebody 
it's um that's carrying out or rather implementing or overseeing such financial services the person the ethics have to be there to ensure that the person is of high ethical um regard so there are standard checks and processes that those organizations have to also put in place even when you bring in people in the organization also need to ensure that they put formal structures in place to so say for example maybe i report to you and i'm the junior staff so what level of authority will i have to get into a system to be able to carry out transactions what are the layers of um of, of authority or what are the layers of rights that i can have in that infrastructure in the system in the premises that i will have access to so when those things are properly documented and those pl- the things are put in place properly you are able to outline what people can do what rights they have to different systems in the organization and how approvals are given once those things are done properly, you'll be able to curb this thing. So you've not laying where the blame is or not. But in the bottom line is everything comes to the users internally and externally, Excellent. just ensuring that the right things are done. Hmm. So I think a few weeks ago, I had a similar conversation. Like there's this tendency with these two sets of users you just described, right? Both the external users and internal users. There's this tendency for us to always want things to be easy and simple and fluid. We don't want any frictions. For instance, in registering for a fintech app, for example, I just want to just click one button and I'm already signed up and access all the services. All the friction of BVN, putting my face somewhere, all those ones. Those those ideal KYC procedures as laid down by the regulator, but it kind of feels like we are moving towards that place where you just need things to be so smooth and easy and fast. You know, break things fast and you know fast. it's it's like what it's like saying, for example, you want to eat and you say you want to eat something very fast. Eat only five minutes mm-hmm. or less than five minutes. You've already prepared the meal. Yes, you can have the meal at that point in time, but after having that meal, what is the likely effect of what's going to happen? And it's a very simple question. Thank God you raised the point of the KYC. Mm-hmm. So, will you say, let me? Forget about KYC. Let me just register in less than two minutes. Yeah. Then Minimum. a week later, you are screaming, you are crying. I've lost a million naira. I've lost 10 million naira. You start running from pillar to post and nobody listens to you. So why don't you take the pains to do 10 minutes on your own end, register yourself properly, and ensure that all your details are actually uploaded at the back end and the person know or the bank knows who they are dealing with. Go through that initial pain. Not everything is... I need to get it now. It's one, and when you're registering, it's actually one time. So you register one time, you've gone through that pain, and then you know to an appreciable level, you're safe. So the bank has have your details at the back end. Your details are secured. Nobody is able to get into their system. So it's a two-way thing. Everybody trusts everybody. But if you say, I'm not ready for that pain, I just want to do it. You, that, a week down the line, you're crying, you're screaming. So what I will advise is, let's go through the process. Mm. Jumping the pro, we've seen ourselves as a nation. We jump the process and we see the pains that we go through later on. So go through this process at the beginning. Follow the rules. Follow the regulations set by the bank, set by the regulatory bodies, and a lot of us will not get our fingers burned. What we've seen over time is when the processes are not followed, when the regulations are not followed internally and externally. That's when people get burnt. Hmm. I still believe I'm a stickler for processes and procedures. Once you do that, to an appreciable level, you've curbed out a lot of things that can actually occur internally and externally. Hmm. You cannot run away from processes. You can't run away from regulations. Yeah, so speaking of processes, I know 
a lot of financial institutions like face challenges when it comes to uh, these processes and setting up cybersecurity standards and all of that. And they keep needing to, like you were discussing before we started the podcast, they keep needing to update their skills, update their expertise, right? So, but there's one interesting thing that I've been observing in the ecosystem and it feels like, why does this thing keep happening? These companies, I would dare say, really talk to each other. So when a fraudster attacks company A, it, it, does, it doesn't need to do anything different. It attacks company, company B. B. Whereas if company A had talked to company, company B. B, company B would have seen the fraudster coming. So but I assume a company like InfoPrive sits between company A and company B as an advisory firm to several companies. So what, how are you thinking about this particular scenario? Okay, so um, the, the, so the, there are different groups and there are different groups that as much as possible, they share information within different parties and, or when things like this occur. I know I belong to some of those groups. Okay. Know. So one of the things we also do as a company, as InfoPrive, is that we actually have a SOC, a service operating center, and we have some of our customers on the SOC. So we share trends with them. We share information with them for them to be mindful of ah, these are the trends, these are the things you need to take note of and ensure that in as much as we're providing this service for you, we're monitoring, we're implementing, that you also ensure that yes, these things are act actually running properly in your own environment as well. So we share that with our own customers. We also share that as well in the industry as wide as possible. So also talking about standard frameworks and for people to implement them. We've also seen that over time people, yes, people is very, people are very finicky or rather they don't really like going through that process of saying, look, I tend to do this every year. It's a manual process. It's time consuming. It takes so much of my time and things like that. So we as a company, as InfoPrive, like I said, we've been around for 11 years or so. We've seen some of all these things. And we said, look, we can actually help a lot of organizations, the banks, the fintechs, and even other people that don't play in the financial space they need to implement some of these regulatory frameworks in the industry and say look why don't we make your work easier for you this is actually 2023 why do you still need to keep carrying those excel files the manual files and you're moving from one place to the other trying to ensure that you keep up with these regulatory frameworks and all and so one of the things we've done is to set up you know me so you can go to you know me.io and take a look at you know me.io and what have we done there we've said look the regulator, the financial regulator, the CBN, for example, says, look, there's some certain frameworks that you need to implement in your organization if you want to carry out financial transactions. Some of these um, frameworks could be PCI DSS, could be ISO, any of the ISOs, and again, for data protection, NDPA overseen by the NDPC, the Data Commission. You know, some of those processes, why do they manually? Come up to youknowme.io, you can sign up and you have access to those processes already automated on an automated platform, for example, and it makes your work easier for you. So as an organization as well, again, you can say, look, um, I'm just starting out and CBN says I need a CISO. I need a security officer. I need the chief security officer, information security officer in my organization. And you can't afford that. And I say, look, why don't you just sign up on my platform as well, you know me.io. I can actually implement or help you to have a, an information security program for your organization. I can be a virtual system for you hmm. using you know me. I can help you ensure that, yes, based on the regulator, based on the standards and everything, if you want to be a PTSP, a PSSP, whatever you want to be, Sign up on my information security program. You check what your maturity level is. You know what CBN expects you to do. 
and just use the platform and I act as a VCSO for you. So we're helping organizations as much as we can to make life better for them, to make life much more secure for them, to also ensure that their businesses are run properly and professionally. These are some of the things we're trying to do as a company and also that we bring to the industry. Mm. So to, just to be clear, this the organization you're speaking to, how early can, how early is early in this instance? It can be an organization that is starting today. Like today, today? Today. So for example, if an organization says I'm a fintech, I need a PTSP license or I need a PSSP license. Mm. CBN says for you to get the PTSP license, these are the conditions you need to meet in terms of information security. Yes. And I say, look, oh, how am I going to meet these conditions? How am I even going to go ahead? My business is I just want to provide financial services for people. How am I going to take care of my security end? A company as InfoPrive is ready to hold you from the beginning of your journey till where you want to get to. Mm. And so you come, if you talk to us, like I said, we can use the platform for you to start your information security program based on the regulations, based on the framework set by CBN. And we help you to achieve those regulations and those frameworks. So that's, that's, that's cool. So yes, kind of solving the technology limitations to technology limitations. Yeah. So let me segue to another limitation I found. Right. Okay. So we just talked about the technology side of things, right? And companies not speaking to each other. But I think you just made it clear that there are groups that there are groups. There are groups. I groups. I also know to another in the, in the I believe in the next six months or so, six to nine months. I also know there will be a formal launch of a group where a lot of players will be there active and the information to be shared will be much more open. But we also need to be, understand that a lot of people, will, as much as possible, hold on to information and not want to expose that, look, we've been hit or breached or things like that. So not to ensure, not that to also ensure that people don't lose confidence in their mm, system. The system. But again, as much as possible, I know information is being shared. Like I said, I belong to some platforms where I see this information real time because it also helps even if I've not at an organization I've not been attacked so a colleague shares this information it keeps me I mean check as well and I'm looking up to it yes people share information but I know it's going to be much more formal in the next six to nine months as well oh cool 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 so I can debunk that uh, no, no, no 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 information is being shared information ah. but you will not see it out in the open information is being shared I know a lot of people they actually link up together and provide information to each other. Mm, okay. And it's easy to enter these groups, like for instance. Not necessarily not not, not everybody. Not everybody can enter some of the groups. But you get invited and you get into mm. the group. Because okay. again it's also a what some of this group is also a platform for knowledge sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a platform for education. It's also a platform for the sector to also grow. Well, again, like I mentioned, it's going to. I know one of them is going to be formal in the next six to nine months, mm. even less than that, and that will be much more open for more people to come in. Ah, that that, that makes sense. So uh, another area I've seen companies neglect is the human side of things. Yes. Uh, let's start internally, right? When it comes to cybersecurity, we just hire a CSO or use the yes. VCSO, like you know me, for instance, and we feel that's all. Whereas we've, we're able to find out that okay. Humans probably are even, no matter how strong your firewall is, humans are like your biggest loophole. Humans in the company, right? Yes. They could just be careless with an email or something like that and get hacked. So, 
Yeah, how are you thinking about that? Okay, so we, on that angle, one of the, I personally believe, and also on my organization as well, on that angle I just mentioned. So, there are two parts to it. The first one is the hiring process. Yeah, yeah. If the hiring process is done properly from where HR starts with recruitment, you need to ensure you're getting the right people into your organization. That That's the job of HR. You need to ensure who you're getting into your organization is actually the right person, the right... No matter the role. No matter the role. No matter the role. It doesn't have to even be because I need a CISO. It doesn't have to be because I need an IT person or, or a security person. It can just person. be a mar- content person. It can be person. a marketer, a content person, whatever. <laughs> ensure you are getting the right person into the role to the best of your ability. And there are several things. I, I won't be the one to do this job for HR, but there are, be- there are several ways to achieve that. There are several tools that are also available, apart from the one-on-one interaction, to know you are getting the right person for the right fit. That is one. But specifically, again, you mentioned things about even when you have um, the tools, the firewalls and all that in your environment. You see, what, what, what we've also seen, and one thing I also know as well, once you be, you've spent time in this IT industry, the fact that you've bought a box doesn't mean you need this particular box to solve the problem. So I've played in, two, in the two parts of um, the industry. I've been a solution provider. I've also been somebody that um, solutions have been sold to as well. So the fact that, for example, I have a problem doesn't necessarily mean you sell a box to me. If you don't understand my pain points, if you don't understand the problem that I have, you can't just say, take this box, it will solve your problem. So a solution provider, first of all, needs to come into your environment and understand what is happening and what particular solution do you need to solve the problem. So one of the things we do in InfoPrive as well is when we engage, and based on the engagement that we have with you, the first thing we do is to carry out a gap analysis. So we carry out a gap analysis to know what exactly is happening. What do we need to implement for you based on discussions that we've had? So I had this funny conversation with um, somebody a few weeks back and the person was saying, eh, what is the difference between, for example, I mentioned that what we do in Info Privacy, we do cyber security, compliance, and cyber protection. And the person was ah, what's yeah. the difference between cyber security, security and cyber protection? It's very clear. I'll use the ordinary uh, mega that we have in our houses. Your aim is to what? You need a security man in your house to man your post, provide security service for you. So what do you do? You go get an aboki or you get anybody, come be my gate man. And you think he's what? He's providing security services for you. Mm. Has the guy been properly trained to be a security man? Does he know what he needs to do to be a security man? Does he know, for example, if there's an emergency, what is the next step to take? But you just say he's an aboki or rather he's a malam. Everything does provide the service for me. No offense to my house friends or my not friends, but I'm just saying it the way it is. Or you just get somebody a young man, come be a security man, come be a cleaner. The fact that that person you hired a security man, it doesn't mean you're protected. Because if something happens, he's only going to react based on the level of his training and his ability. But you, if you get the right person for that particular role as a security man, you know what? You're secured, you're protected. Because he's been trained, he knows the actions to take at each point in time. So it's the same thing. Why am I buying a firewall? Do I really need a firewall? What if something else? What if it's something else that I need? What if I need to sign up to a SOC service instead of buying a firewall? So at each point in time, you need to know what am I dealing with as an organization? 
what are my pain points as an organize, as an organization what solution would actually solve the problem that i'm trying to face it's not just to buy a box you need to ensure you do things properly it comes down to ensure you're you're protected as a cybersecurity level you're complying to the regulations and then more or less cybersecurity is in place in your organization as well interesting so maybe it's not just to buy a box but sometimes a Ghana must go might be needed a Ghana must go a Ghana might, uh, must go might be needed a box might be needed in some cases you may not even need anything mm. and i've seen that happen over time so the organization already have so many boxes they have so many solutions they have so many things already deployed in the environment but things are not working so that's why I said the first thing we do when we go into organizations is let's do a gap analysis. What do you currently have in store there? So I see what you have in your environment. How does this hardware lead to this hardware, the software and everything? How can I link them up and not to ensure that, yes, I'm able to protect you. I'm able to ensure that you are secured. And I'm, I'm able to ensure that you're also complying to the regulations. So like I said, we're not just a cybersecurity firm that we implement. We also provide advisory services. So uh, for organizations, so we can advise you. We are your partners. We're not just there to sell you a box and walk away. We can advise you as well and say, look, this is the path to go. We actually give you a roadmap to ensure that you get to the maturity level that you want to get to. Yeah, your Megad analogy just reminded me of my own security. <laughs> like, I'll be at the bus of and he'll be waving at me. I'll be like, you're supposed to be in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, so you have a security man, but are you protected? Yeah. So it's the same thing, cyber security, but are you, pro- are you cyber protected? So mm. we need to ensure it's not just have cyber security in place. So you have cyber security in place, but it, are you complying to the regulatory frameworks? Are you also cyber protected? Mm. So those three, those three words, you need to understand them and ensure you implement them. Properly. Yeah, so for, for the non-technical people, non-technical employees so we talk we look at it from the perspective of the organizations now what about the non-technical employees in these organizations right the marketers the content people the designers is there anything they need to be aware of is there anything they need to be watchful of okay so again um because the industry has different parts like you mentioned there's a technical and there's non-technical part and breaches occur every several layers or rather several ways mm. now the way breaches occur again is because once you are exposed in if you may have wondered maybe you may have exposed yourself openly or unknowingly or let's say knowingly or unknowingly and that's how a breach occurs mm. so you look at the marketers they're not technical people so i give a very simple example so these days we talk about data protection data protection data protection and thank god that the president recently signed the act after how many years so the act is there and all so as an organization have you implemented the act you have marketers you have content creators you have everything there in your organization how are you protecting data that you collect from external customers or even your internal customers as well how do you ensure that the data you collect is secured how do you ensure that data is not being sold or somebody else doesn't have access to it? Mm-hmm. You see, of course, we know, I don't want to go into that part, but if data is exposed, somebody has your username, has your password and all, you know what they can do this day and need. So for the non-technical um, people, they need to be consistent awareness as long as they work in that organization. They need to be consistent awareness, consistent education for them to know 
So I had this other meeting with um, some clients some weeks back and we're taking them through security measures that they need to put in place to ensure that they're safe and all. And one of the things we talked about was emails. We see a lot of spam mails, phishing and everything. If somebody that is a marketer, maybe you have been marketing this particular company, I know it happens these days. You are talking about the company. The next thing you go to Google, you are seeing the name appearing in Google or Facebook or whatever. So I've been talking to this particular company and somewhere along the line, somebody sends a mail to me. In my excitement, I say, ah, maybe it's from a particular company, but it's possible somebody's actually sent send that mail as a phishing mail and trying to mimic the company. In my excitement, I go ahead and what? I just click and that turns into something else. What if the enough training, enough education has been done for all those non-technical people, every single meal coming in, no matter how excited you are, ensure it's from a legitimate source. Mm. Ensure it's somebody you have been speaking with. <coughs> ensure that it's done properly. You at your desk, yes, I'm working with somebody, and I, I'm not saying don't trust your colleagues, but if the company policy says, if I'm leaving my desk, my screen must be locked, ensure you lock your screen. Ensure you lock your screen. Things like that. Uh, I'll share this example. So, some years ago, I actually know of... It's it still a friend of mine. One of the banks. It was in the early years anyway. But then, still something. So, they were sharing passwords all around. Hmm. Uh, they were sharing passwords all around. And it's my colleague. It's my this and everything. This was, let's say, before 2010 or so. Sharing passwords all around and everything. It's my colleague. And somebody went along the line and used the password for something else. But your password has been assigned to you with your login details. So it's going to trace back to you. He lost his job for that. Wow. But it was just, I'm helping my colleague to do his work and all that. But so we also need to be careful. If the company policy says, this is what it should be, ensure that you comply with the company's policies. Because again, security, cyber, physical, or whatever, it starts with you. It starts with you. Ensure you protect yourself first of all. And you protect yourself by following the rules and regulations already laid down. So it actually starts with you. So we need to as much as possible. You're a marketer, you're a technical, you're not a, te a non-technical person. You must understand what is going on. And you must understand the role that you play in ensuring that things are done properly. Hmm. That's that's quite a that's quite that's quite impactful. <laughs> Thank you for uh, addressing that because even uh, internally at TechPoint, we had the cybersecurity training of sorts. Uh, we invited Akintunde Sultan, CTO of Old School and Dev Carriers, to come and uh, give us some basic tips on uh, how to protect ourselves, right, and protect the company information. Because what you just mentioned about the data protection, okay. I just realized that it might not even be a hack, it could even be a breach of that act, that law yeah. that gets your company fined millions. Mm. When you talk about customers' data and how you handle it, so handle it. if you're a salesperson, you're a marketing person, you handle customers' data a lot, you're running out your analytics, and something like consent, informed consent, or how did the act put it was not given. So yeah, that's that's an interesting, and I think it's a perfect segue on the regulatory side of things. Like, do you think the current landscape, regulatory landscape now with the Data Protection Act, is is sufficient to really tackle all of all these issues or do you think the government or the regulators need to do more to help companies protect themselves to help users protect themselves 
Okay, so I'll talk on the data protection part. Well, we need to first of all understand again that the act was just passed in the last four to six weeks. Yeah. That is one. And before then, we're just working with the regulation. And I must give kudos to the commission today, as of today, give kudos to the commissioner, the staff of the commission as well, because even before the act was passed, there was so much work that they were doing to actually educate the public, enlighten the public on what the act, um, which has been passed now, entails and all that. So... I give kudos to them for that. In your question, if they, if it will take care of all the problems that currently exist. So we also need to understand again is that as human beings, we evolve. So if the act was passed as at, let's four to six weeks ago, yes, it contains all this at this point in time. And to an appreciable level, it takes care of a lot of things. Mm. But again, because the commission itself is a knowledgeable or commission and organization that needs to keep improving and i know they are doing that what they will also do over time is that they will look at things that will have changed in the next six months in the next um one 12 year. months next one year and they will do updates as well to ensure that things um they are covered because new and new things or newer things are coming out every day they will just need to updating the act was that today it's to an appreciable level Yes, it protects the organizations, it protects the users and all. Once the organizations actually implement those things, they should know that, yes, to an, they will be safe from fines, they'll be safe from um, the regulatory hammer, and then their business, their uh, reputation will not be damaged as well. They just need to ensure that they follow the rules. One thing we've also seen is that we actually have a lot of laws in Nigeria. We don't have problems with laws in Nigeria at an appreciable level. The, the problems we have as a country is actually complying to those laws because you implement the laws, how many people actually comply? If you comply, you have smooth sailing, really. Hmm. You know, smooth sailing. So for the Act, yes. For the other regulatory frameworks where CBN has to ensure that, yes, you meet the guidelines and everything. Yes, that's also um, good as well because again some of those frameworks are not even local to nigeria they are global frameworks mm. so as you are complying to them internally you're also complying complying globally, globally. as well so you as a business so it's for you as a business to ensure you implement and you comply by them so you have mileage because again if i as a business i implement one of those frameworks and a standard and I have an opportunity in along the West African coast or even in North Africa in Europe, I'm pitching for a job. And one of the things I want to tell the person I'm talking to is that, look, I'm already PCIDSA certified, for example. I'm already ISO 27001 certified, for example. The guy says, these are global standards. And again, if I show him the NDPA Act, this guy is also, at least data privacy is implemented in Nigeria. It gives a certain level of assurance to the external party, who is not even the country that you are talking to, that this person knows what he's saying, he knows the business is running, he knows the right framework that is implemented, and the person will be ready to do business with you. So for us, as businesses, we need to take this thing seriously, take the regulation seriously, and we'll be much more better off for it. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, well, I was actually thinking about the reverse scenario, right? Mm -hmm. So the digital world thrives on data yes. and data moving around. And that's what has made companies like Google and Facebook so as big as they are today. So, and 
the Data Protection Act for Nigeria looks has a lot of similarities with Europe's GDPR, and I think that has been an issue for the big tech companies. So, how do you see that playing out? In I know we don't we're not as powerful as the EU in terms of those big tech, but even in our own local space, like they lack this whole it's like. For want of a better word, I'll call it tight fitness, fit, fistedness with data. Mm. Do you think it's going to kind of um innovation in any way in terms of No, but you see this again, that's the other that's the other thing again, because um it's not um hindered innovation in Nigeria. It's not hindered innovation in Nigeria because again a lot of organizations are actually um, subscribing to that act and a lot of organizations again if you go to, or rather if you go to a lot of apps um, websites or so that are local when you put your data you actually consent to them using it as well yes yeah. we know google facebook they've had issues with europe and all but in the long run they've actually localized those things because some of the data are actually now stored in, in those countries europe, and yeah. again when they make use of them they get to pay for them and all that we've not reached that level of telling google and facebook to do the same thing in nigeria but it's going to happen but again for organizations and new companies in nigeria a lack of data has not hindered um, what they want to do because again another thing is some of the data that you require to set up your business is not in all cases that you need those personal data it's just for some patterns to see what you really need to do but when the push comes to shove when the time is right i know yes whatever has been done in europe Facebook, Google, and others, they will have to do the same thing in Nigeria. They need Nigerian companies as well that, that really require that much detail of data. They will have to comply with the act as well, and they will have to ensure that they're using the data properly. Using the data properly also makes all of us secured, really. It ensures that whoever I give my data to, the person needs to comply by the rules, hmm. and is not exposing me. And making sure, or making sure that my life, or rather, is at stake. You understand? Yeah. So it's it's for me as an individual. It's also good for the person that's actually processing my data to ensure that my data is also secured. And the act actually t takes care of that as well. So again, like I said, it's for everybody's benefit to actually comply with those regulations. Hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. So yeah, everybody's benefit. So final word to all our users right out there. Those that are using banking apps, that are using fintech apps. Final word to them. And I think this has been really, really insightful, both for uh, for every pocket of users in, you know, we've addressed today, both organizations and, of course, the end consumers of this, uh, this symbol. Yeah, your final thoughts for every okay. user out there. So my final thought, my final word for every user is for us to know that... Um, when we talk about cybersecurity, it's not just an act, it's not just an event, it's not just an instance. It is a lifestyle. Cybersecurity is a lifestyle. Um, information security is a lifestyle. You need to ensure that you live it. It's like the air you breathe. And I'll tell you why. The devices we see today, they won't end here. The, 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 the businesses... The things that we see that are digital today won't end here. Hmm. More and more digital occurrences are going to happen. And because when they happen, data and information will always be shared. So what happens? It means, yes, you need to ensure the information is secure, the data is secured and all that. So that's why each and every one of us needs to embrace this 
as a lifestyle in ensuring that whatever I'm doing, I'm ensuring that I follow the principles to ensure that, look, I am secured. And it starts with just ensuring that from the basic level, let's say if your phone, your banking apps, like you mentioned, I know, that you actually secure them. If it's username and password, yes, but also see what you can do as an additional layer of security. And a typical case in point is there are a lot of apps. Our, our advice, get an app from Google or even Microsoft uh, for multi-factor authentication, okay, yeah. two-factor authentication. So after using your username and password, that also prompts you that, look, you need to also implement this as well. So it gives you an additional layer of security. But again, just to round up with this for everybody that has a mobile phone yeah my phone has been stolen before i woke up blah 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 they've entered my account and everything one of the things you can do there are a few things you can do with your mobile phone but one of the things you can do with your mobile phone is to actually activate a sim lock on your sim card so and it's open to everybody on every phone so you activate your sim lock so what does that mean if you activate a sim lock on your sim card whenever you put off your phone and you put it on your phone will never receive any of the networks except you put in the password that you've activated for your SIM card. So if you do that, that gives you a certain level of comfort as well. So by the time, whatever happens to your phone, once your phone is dead, nobody can get into your phone. So that's an additional layer of security that you also have at your fingertips. So all of us who can test out and try it out. So there are actually some cheap, or rather there are some free tools that we can actually make use of. To also ensure that we are safe online and even offline as well. So let's implement those simple tools and all. It will actually keep us safe. Hmm. Yes. Are there any other notable ones that you could just uh, give us? Okay, so I mentioned the SIM lock, which yeah. uh, more or less locks your SIM card. Yeah. So if you don't put in your SIM card, you're not going to... Um, nobody will be able to have access to the SIM card and then do edit it want to do with the SIM card. So that's one. So for example, if you also use an iPhone, so one of the other things that you could also do is when you lock, when your screen is on lock and maybe even if your phone is missing or something. So if people are not able to, um, for a specific number of time, get the password into your phone, mm. you could also just activate automatically for the phone to erase itself. So it wipes up. It wipes everything. up every data. You can also do that on Android, Android. devices as well. Hmm. It's they are free. You implement them. I also mentioned the two-factor authentication. Yeah, you yeah. can get that from um, Google. Google. You can get that from Microsoft. You can also get it from Apple from as Apple. well. Get get the authenticator. It just gives you an additional layer of security apart from username and password. And these more or less they are free. Ah, cool. Yeah. Cool. So final words to companies and. Final words to companies and organizations. Just advise, I'll just advise them that they keep following the rules, or not rules, they keep following the regulations that have been set aside by the regulatory authorities. And once they conform to those regulatory authorities, also ensure that the um, staff of the organization, they're actually the right side, staff for the right um, roles that they've been employed in as well. That's um, to carry out the functions that they want to do. And finally, just to also advise them that whenever they want to implement um, information security programs or cyber security programs, that they should talk to the right organizations mm. and not just talk to anybody. Talk to the right people that have the pedigree, that have been around and done several things for several organizations that you can actually test them over the years as well. 
talk to the right people and you actually go to sleep at night and sleep eyes closed yeah. both eyes closed cool so uh, they can find you on unomi.io yeah so um, my parent company is infoprive okay and then you can also find me at unomi.io so unomi is a platform unomi is a platform it's a cybersecurity compliance security and governance automation platform and what we've done is to help users like i said ensure that in order to meet up with the regulatory frameworks that will make their life easier we give them a simple process to be able to carry out those regulatory frameworks in the organizations and ensure that they meet the regulatory authorities prescribed um standards in meeting those frameworks so if you want to do your ndpa your data privacy and privacy and um, protection act if you want to implement it talk to us if you want to implement any of your isos 27001 or whatever you talk to us if you want to implement pci dss talk to us but i would advise you just visit the the website you know me.io and you get to know more about us okay cool so we'll be dropping a link in the description of this uh video if and of course in the pod of if you're listening you'll also be dropping the link in the podcast description and uh also watch out for the a full future on not feature feature on info prime where we go into the yeah they've been doing this for 11 years so they have a lot more to talk about than we've been able to address in this podcast and yeah i think the article is going to shed more light on this issue and uh yeah for those of our founders and executives that registered interest for our fintech mixer you also be finding familia at that mixer too so yeah come up come with your questions and everything and uh, i'm sure we'll be willing to to answer them so yeah this this has really been an interesting one and uh, thank you for joining us today thank you paul thank you for inviting me and the rest of the tech point team i'm really really grateful yeah thank you yeah so uh, hope we'll do this again soon yes 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 like there's there's so many points each of the points i that questions i wanted to ask but i decided to hold myself back like what was the idea behind iso 2027001 like the naming <laughs> okay, we'll take that off. We'll take that off. Like, we'll take it off next time. But but they are global standards. Yeah, I guess, really, I guess and just the main name is just to ensure information security. security. Forget whatever the the, 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 the what's it called, the symbol of this thing. Yeah, just yeah. understand what. So yes. the short name for that is ISMS, Information Security Management Systems. Okay. Ah, so it's just to ensure that yes, that you do the right things at the right time and just follow the processes and procedures. All right. All right. You heard that people do the right thing at the right time and stay safe out there. See you in the next one. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share with all your friends and well-wishers. And also don't forget take points upcoming event, the modern workplace summit to the modern workplace Africa forum friends, where we're going to be talking about the future of work and all the bells and whistles surrounding it. So yeah, we are just still existing the next one here. Come to the event and find out. Bye-bye.